This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. A bunch of stuff happening this week. Kind of curious to see what happens on mm. the name, image, and likeness front. There will be a ton of information, yep. hopefully, out of Amelia Island for the ACC Spring Meetings, which, uh, Wes, we will be front and center, if you have not heard, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, live shows, all three hours from Amelia Island coming mm-hmm. up. So uh, looking forward to the trip and the work and what happens. It's a really important time for a lot of coaches, administrators, and for the league. Special one-hour All-ACC, by the way, tomorrow night as well. Mark and I will be there at 7 tomorrow morning for the three. And then All-ACC tomorrow night gets you for an hour with Kelsey, Jordan, and Dallin uh, from uh, from Amelia Island as well. Um, I, I look at this name, image, and likeness situation pack, and I, look, I, I know we got to calm this thing down. But do we really expect the NCAA to be the enforcement piece of this? And I know that's the way that it works right now. But isn't this about the new world and not the old world as we move into this thing? Yeah. Well, who would be the who would be your enforcement agency, Wes, if it won the NCAA? I I know. I I understand. I'm answering my own question here, but it, it's it just seems like that what's gone on hasn't gone it hasn't been effective, and now. You've almost got to start the new era, if you will, with this, because this is the most glaring piece right now that they've walked off from for the last year and a half. I get that. But, you know, you've got issues that you have to address. I said this last week on the show. The thing that encouraged me the most last week was, at least from my perspective, somebody may have a totally different opinion on this. I got a sense of the people that I look upon the world of college sports that I respect. When they say something, you should listen and pay attention. Last Mm -hmm. week, I got a sense that there were a lot of people that I put in that category that were saying things in terms of, hey, we need to move. We need to get action ASAP. There was stuff that happened after our show Friday that involved Gene Smith and the NCAA Board of Governors. And, hey, Mm -hmm. we've got some rules and regulations that we'd like to have passed perhaps by today. By today. Now, how quickly have we ever seen an NCAA rule get passed where something popped up and you went, man, hopefully they'll get around to it in the next six to eight to ten months. How about by today? I mean, I get a sense Mm -hmm. of urgency with the real movers and shakers of of the world of college sports that go, hey, we don't have time to waste. We've already wasted enough time with the NCAA not getting in front of this issue, which now we find ourselves so far behind, but we've got to start doing something. This tampering thing was just kind of the tip of the iceberg of a tipping off point. We said, no, man, we can't. This, this is not what college athletics right. is supposed to be about. And I'm not telling you that tampering just started. It's been going on for a long time, but now with name, image, and likeness being above board, and hundreds of thousands of dollars being discussed from boosters, whether they're having direct contact, secondary sources, whatever, you got to get a handle on it. So I'm encouraged uh, when I see the the commissioners of the SEC and the Pac-12 getting together. When I see guys like Gene Smith going, hey, here's a concept. Can we do it? We've seen what the alliance has done uh, for the last God knows how long. You made reference last week to Commissioner Phillips talking about hey, we got to get a handle on the changes going on before mm-hmm. we can even worry about the college football playoff and other stuff. While some people are barking in the media about it, 
you got to take a 3,000 foot look down and say, listen, where are we in college athletics? We got to get some fundamental stuff locked and loaded. I'm encouraged by what I hear. Now, let's see some folks put this into action <clears throat> in the NCAA for mm. once, now starting to wield a stick in which they say, hey, guess what? If you cross this line, we're going to bury you. I mean, that needs to happen just to set the tone and set a standard by which, hey, we're not putting up with this nonsense, right? I mean, the transfer portal is one issue. Yep. Name, image, and likeness is one issue. Tampering is one issue. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Sometimes they will cross and be tied in together, but not always. So I, I'm encouraged by the last week to 10 days when I hear what Jack Swarbrick says in terms of what he thinks the future looks like. And like I said, the Power of Five commissioners getting together going, hey, we really need to work together to get this thing figured out one way or the other. So again, it's a great start. Now let's see if we can do some finishing and moving forward from an enforcement standpoint. Is the NCAA, do they have the guts? Do they have the guts to move forward knowing there's potential lawsuits involved with this coming down the pike. Two ACC stories are at the front of the latest discussions. One, obviously, is Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff Award winner, going into the portal right at the deadline now. Um, a lot of people feel like Southern California, there are other schools listed for his services. And then the other story that emerged following Addison's announcement that he was entering the portal is last week, when Pete Thamel of ESPN.com had Zay Flowers tell him that he was offered $600,000 by intermediaries uh, representing institutions if he would get into the portal. The trick there, Flowers wasn't in the portal. And last weekend, he talked to Jordan Cornette about this experience and what he thinks is right and wrong. I feel like the players do deserve it, but like schools like, I feel like coming out the players is kind of wrong. Like, just trying to take a star player from a school to help build their program. And it's like, because some schools have the money to do it. And I just feel like the opportunity to have NIL for players is a great opportunity for us to help our families and take care of what we need to take care of. But like, when it started to get like this, I just feel like it's not right or. It's just not the right thing to do to come out to a player while he's not even in a transfer portal. I, I said it last week. I, I love the fact that Zay had, number one, loyalty to a school that was loyal to him. Number two, he went to his coach and his family and said, hey, listen, this doesn't feel right. Let's talk about it. Number three, the easy right. way out is to say, hey, somebody's going to give me 600 I'm out of here, man. Catch you later. He said, no, no, no. The quality of getting an education from Boston College, that $600,000, even though it's life-changing money and for my family, we could use it in a millisecond. You know what? If I do the right things, get my degree, if, whether it's an NFL career, whether it's a professional career in some other line of work, you know what? I'll see that six hundred k. And I, I just have so I've always respected him as a player. We've had him on the show before, but I thought his actions and the way he conducted himself last week, and same thing with Halfley and B.C., I told you everything mm -hmm. you need to know about the quality and the character of the person in the organization last week. Not everybody would have taken Zay Flowers' yep. angle, and they would have taken the cash and gone, man, I'm in the portal. Catch you boys later. Uh, I, I respect Zay Flowers even more so than I did last week uh, because that was impressive what he did. And it is a little ironic that two wide receivers from the ACC could very well become kind of the – centrifugal force that drives the rest of this, right? One, obviously Addison in the portal, 
And then Flowers telling his story to Pete Thamel has created this next layer, if you will. Then you combine that with the story over the weekend where Scott Satterfield, the head football coach at Louisville, tells 24-7 Sports that uh, he believes Tyler Harrell was a victim of the, well, or was tampered with while a wide receiver at Louisville. He tells uh, uh, Chris Hummer of 24-7 Sports, who covers the cards, that he believes Tyler Harrell knew exactly where he was going when he got into the portal because, again, these intermediaries that are involved in the process had made Harold offers through the name, image, and likeness situation. Satterfield then then went on to say, Harold's not the first. There were players prior to the year, the year prior to at Louisville, that also probably got in the portal knowing full well where they were going. All that being said, this is where Pac's point a moment ago about these board of governors getting involved in. How do they grit an enforcement line up? How aggressive are they with the enforcement? Mark, that's something you mentioned in hour one today. If you're going to go after somebody, you got to go after somebody and make it count. There is question how much the last 10 months can be enforced because really there were no guardrails at all to name, image, and likeness. And would the NCAA be willing to you know, post-date some of this? I think that's pretty interesting as well. Well, we're going to find out if they've got the stomach for the job because, you know, tag, you're it. And if this Board of Governors today yep. approves these uh, new name, image, and line, uh, new name, image, and likeness regulations, and they go retro for argument's sake, okay, tag, you're it, NCAA. What are you waiting for now? I mean, July 1st, 2021, a lot of crazy stuff's happening. You got two situations with Pittsburgh and Boston College just within our league, and you could even throw in Louisville mm-hmm. with what Satterfield said regarding Harold ended up in Alabama. And there's some other players that ended up jumping in the transfer portal and ended up at the next school the very next day. There, I'm sure, is a ton of information. So is the NCAA man enough to step up and do something about it once these rules are passed, hopefully by the end of today, for argument's sake? We're getting ready to find out. And like I said earlier, if you want to clean up the problem, if you truly want to straighten out the issue, you're going to have to come down hard on crime, if, you, if that makes any sense. It can't be a slap mm-hmm. on the wrist that, oh, so you gave uh, so-and-so $600,000 or now you're a star wide receiver or whatever the case may be. That you know, Don't do that again because if so, we're going to have to take away a scholarship. That's not going to stop anything. You've got to make an yeah. example of people here. You're going to really have to set the bar high and understand there may be some people that will lawyer up and say, you don't have the jurisdiction to do this. I mean, so so tag, you're it. We've really kind of come to the point now where something's got to give on this whole front with NIL. By the way, there's been no word on Jordan Addison's uh, destination, if there is going to be a new destination, but he is still listed in the transfer portal. When we come back, uh, it has been an interesting weekend from a storyline that's great to see. Uh, Athletes who competed in the ACC years ago have come back to obtain their degrees. We told you about Carlos Boozer earlier in Best of the Weekend. Friday, we had a chance to visit with one of Georgia Tech's newest graduates whose major league career included a World Series, an All-Star game, and more. Mark Teixeira of Georgia Tech, in case you missed it next. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Monday, 844-SAY-ACCN. Uh, one of the feel-good stories of the weekend 
uh, involved a guest that we had on Friday's show, Wes. And this is, uh, hey, doesn't matter how yep. old you are, man, you can always go back and get a little more education. Isn't it true? And it's uh, sometimes even when folks think you don't even need to. And Mark Teixeira had a driving force in his life that sent him back to Georgia Tech to find a way to finish that degree. And he told us what his motivation was for walking with that diploma last Saturday. Wes, you knew me since I was 18 years old. And and as an 18-year-old, I came onto campus and felt at home. And Atlanta's been my second home ever since. Georgia Tech's been a special place for me ever since. Met my, my beautiful wife here. And if I if I didn't have the Georgia Tech experience, I wouldn't be Mark to share. I would be some different version of me. Uh, and so I owe a lot to, to Georgia Tech. And being able to say that I have my degree and, and I, I came back and finished. And having these experiences, this has been a really cool experience for me. It's been frustrating and fun and and hard and and rewarding all at the same time. So it's just something I wanted to do. All right. But I know you and Dr. Cabrera, the president, had this conversation some while ago after just as his administration started, I believe, about trying to figure out a way to get this done. And you've done several boards at Georgia Tech. I mean, your business career ultimately will, I think, compete with your big league career. But when you started back going to class – what was that like? Uh, so the, the first semester was completely online, remote because of COVID. And, and that's one of the right. reasons I was able to finish it, is that you know, Georgia Tech never really offered online classes for, for undergrads, especially your last year before you have to graduate. So my first semester was completely online. I got some interesting direct messages on uh, those computer, you know, those computer lectures or some of those computer group projects. And they're like, you got the same name as this baseball player. And I'm like, let's put two and two together here, kids. You know, let's, let's figure this out. But, uh, but that was really neat. And then my first semester going, going onto campus, I had my backpack. I felt like Billy Madison, right, going back to school. And I'm walking around the halls at Scheller. And I, I started getting some looks. And I'm sitting in the class, and they're like, hey, so are you, you going to help teach this class this year? Or, you know, are you – <laughs> you a TA or I'm like, no. And I, and I had like lo longer hair and you could see the gray in my hair. And so I was sticking out like a sore thumb. Uh, but then, you know, all the professors were awesome and they introduced me and, you know, they made a big deal out of, about me coming back and they asked me to present, you know, some, some of my business experiences and some of that. So it ended up being an unbelievable experience. And uh, hopefully that the professors and the students got something out of it as well. Mark, what did you find to be the biggest difference between a college student today versus when you were in your quote-unquote prime at Georgia Tech 20-some-odd yeah. years ago? So that's a great question, actually. I, I, I cared more this time. I, I, I'm not yeah. shy to say I majored in baseball back in the late 90s and early 2000s, and I minored in business. This is, I really cared about it this time. I was super into every single class, every grade, every test I got back that I got something wrong. I was looking back over, you know, why did I get it wrong? Where, you know, 20 years ago, as a baseball player, you had tutors. You were like, hey, you know, as long as you get a B in the, you know, on this test and you'll get an A in the, in the projects, you'll get an A. I was a lot more relaxed as a student 20 years ago. 
I was I was a little bit anxious. You know, every time I took a class, I signed up because I wanted to get straight A's. That was a big thing for me. And I, I think I have one more class that's uh, that's coming in. I took a final yesterday. I think I'll get straight A's for these last three semesters. So I was I was wound a little bit more tight this time. I think. All right, let me ask you something. Well, uh, hold on. I want to follow up with that real quick. Uh, the fact that here you have hey, excited about getting straight A's. Now you've got kids. Uh, so if you get straight A's, this is a total role reversal. Do you go to the kids and go, Hey kids, guess what? Dad got straight A's. Cause normally again, 20 some years, you'd go, man, I hope my kids are doing okay in school. And if they ever got good grades, I'm sure they came to you go, dad, you're not completely got straight A's or whatever. So is, was this a total role reversal here in terms of your kids Absolutely. rolling their eyes at you? Like, Oh dad, you're driving me crazy. Mark, literally every week I would get a test back or a project back or something. And I would show it to the kids. And I was Great. so excited. Hey, look, hey, look at this, you know, and, and you know, they because they come into my office, and I'd say, hey, guys, I got two hours of studying or two hours of reading, whatever it might be. We can't hang, we can't do something. You know, so it was it was definitely a sacrifice for my family. And my 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 wife's like Lee's like laughing at me the whole time, but you know, my kids are really really excited every time I come back and get an A, and especially my early classes. So I had to take my sciences again, which mm-hmm. were so hard. I mean, science at Georgia <laughs> Tech, as we all know, is not easy. And I was grinding to get those A's. So every time I got a test back, I was, I was pretty pumped. So where do we find Mark Teixeira five years from now, 10 years from now, besides being, you know, close to scratching golf and, and watching his kids <laughs> grow up, that kind of thing? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Wes. I think that the, one of the main reasons I went back and got my degree is I want to keep my options open. And I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what the future holds. You know, hopefully Georgia Tech wants me around, uh, you know, as long as I'm breathing and, and I'll be involved in mm-hmm. Georgia Tech. In what capacity, I don't know. But I do know that if in five years or ten years I wanted to go do something, whether it was in business or administration or politics or whatever it might be. And someone said, well, you don't, you don't have a degree. You didn't graduate from college. I'd have been like, man, I probably should have gone and done that. So I, right. I think it just leaves my options open, Wes. And, and I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I kind of I, I leave it to God. I leave it to my family, to, to what the future holds. It's, it's a lot easier to plan when you're 18 and you go, hey, I've got a 20-year run. Hopefully, I'm going to play baseball for the next 20 years. I was able to do that. And once you're done playing baseball, it's like, wow, I've got all these options. And I did the ESPN thing. I loved it. I really enjoy real estate development here in Atlanta. And, and you know, being able to bring a company like Microsoft to Atlanta was just super cool for me. And that's, a, that's kind of a win early in my development career. But I don't know. I'm not sure where it holds, but I know that Georgia Tech degree is going to mean something whenever I do make a decision to to make a move later in life. Cool story. I mean, successful guy yeah. says, hey, you know what? It's a box yeah. I want to check. Let me go back and finish my degree and had to put in the work. And again, we saw Carlos Boozer walk across the stage this weekend. Uh, Mark Desher mm-hmm. doing the same thing at Georgia Tech. Two guys who've made a ton of money, incredibly successful professional careers, but there's more to life than playing a pro sport. And uh, two great examples here in the ACC. And if you can, you can tell from the interview, he's already had some success in commercial real estate development in Atlanta. He talked about being a part of the team that brought Microsoft 
into the uh, into the midtown portion of town over near the Atlantic Station area with a new facility there. Um, and look, if Mark Teixeira, and look, I work there, so I'll be I'll be transparent about that. I worked on campus there for 18 years, right? Uh, you know people on ACC campuses. I know people on ACC campuses. If somebody with the power of Mark Teixeira wants to get involved in your institution, you find a way to get them involved in your institution, don't you, Pac? I mean, it's that seems to be pretty simplistic for me. Well, that becomes a win-win proposition. And, I, you know, the one thing about this mm-hmm. conference uh, has always kind of taken care of its own in some respects. But I think if you're Georgia Tech, you want Mark Teixeira personally involved, emotionally involved in what yep. you're doing to better not only your athletic programs, but your institution. And for Mark to go back and finish and get his degree – it's what it's all about. It's why I keep saying over mm-hmm. and over and over, but going back to this NIL stuff, hey, we've lost sight. I've not heard the word education mentioned hardly ever in any conversation when it right. comes to NIL. It's all great that everybody's getting paid, but understand something. Mm-hmm. When you put your foot on a college campus, whether you're a student athlete or a student, the object of the game is to get your degree. You've got to do that when yeah. given that opportunity. So, I applaud Mark for what he did. It's to me that's an incredibly cool story and really impressive on his part to be able to come back. I mean, he's got all the things he's ever wanted to accomplish: money, fame, fortune, all that great stuff. But hey, there's more to it than that. And uh, to see Mark to share, go yep. back to Georgia Tech and put in the work is really cool and impressive. Yep. Well, and uh, we know Mark Teixeira and Carlos Boozer aren't the only ones. Hopefully, there are more uh, former student-athletes that have gone back and obtained their degrees and, uh, and graduated that we can profile as we move through these summer months in between the semesters, if you will. And hopefully, we can get that done here on Packer and Durham as well. Uh, when we come back, we're going to dial up Brittany McKinney to talk about ACC softball two-pack because that's one of the things – It's coming up this week. The championships are in Pittsburgh. Looking forward to get her thoughts on that. Virginia Tech won the regular season. Florida State's a challenger. Duke was the stunner last year. What happens now? We'll look at the bracket. Talk to Brittany McKinney next, our ACC Network softball analyst next. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham right here on ACC Network. Uh, Brittany McKinney is going to join us here momentarily to talk a little ACC softball. West, beginning on Wednesday, right. uh, the ACC softball championship gets started in Pittsburgh. The brackets are set. They're locked mm-hmm. and loaded. We knew that Virginia Tech was going to be the number one overall seed. Compliments of that 21-2 and record in conference play. But, man, there's some really good teams right on their heels. This is going to be some kind of tournament coming up. Right, and full coverage of the tournament is right here on ACC Network, starting on Thursday with uh, the Hokies at 11 a.m., meeting the winner of the uh, Wednesday first-round match between Syracuse and Louisville. That's an 8-9 game in the ACC Softball Championship. Uh, That actually starts at 1 o'clock on Wednesday, and that's when our coverage starts here on ACC Network as well. So looking forward to all the full coverage coming from Pittsburgh uh, this weekend. I I think the question becomes – Remember last year how we were hoping for Florida State and Clemson? Here's a look at the bracket, by the way. Uh, the championship, by the way, is on uh, Saturday on ESPN2 at 1 o'clock. Pack, remember how we kept talking Clemson-Florida State last year and Duke kind of snuck in there? And look what the Blue Devils did this year. They finished second 
<laughs> right? I mean, Marissa Young does such a great job with her team, and yet they sometimes just get lost in the conversation, don't they? Well, uh, I don't know if they're going to get lost this year because they got the belt and they're a two seed. But, you know, I look at that top half, Virginia Tech, with, again, great pitching, the one-two combination that they've got. Regardless of what happens with Louisville-Syracuse, I mean, you got your hands full of the Hokies. But that next game, that 4-5 game, is no joke, Wes. That's Notre Dame-Clemson. I mean, yeah. The combination of Virginia Tech, Notre Dame-Clemson, and whoever wins Louisville-Syracuse, you're talking about some serious talent, that upper half of the bracket, even before you get to the semis. That, that's going to be mm-hmm. – that's tough, man. That is going to be a really difficult run right through there. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And you see the uh, the Wednesday situation, you see at 3.30, there's Georgia Tech and NC State in a 7-10 situation. Jackets have had some moments this year. Everybody, one through really seven have had – you know, series that they've won against the top half. So when you start thinking about the way this could shape up, it gets really interesting. And uh, we'll see what transpires in Pittsburgh. And we're delighted to bring you wall-to-wall coverage of the ACC softball championship here on ACC Network. I think the fact that Florida State and what Lonnie has built in Tallahassee, we've talked about this since we've started this show three years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are a standard in softball. The fact that Florida State, they only lost five games, I think it is, is a three seed in the tournament. Tells you everything (laughs) you need to know about the quality of play in this league. That a team like Florida State is a three seed. And you know about Notre Dame and Clemson in the years that they've had. And I rattled off last hour the win streaks that everybody's on right now, right? Uh, Florida State's won 10 straight. And they've been playing great non-conference competition coming down the stretch with the sweep of Florida, beat Oklahoma State twice, all two-to-one scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that the Hokies have won nine in a row, the fact that Notre Dame has won eight in a row, Duke's won five in a row, Clemson's won four in a row, your top five in that combination of Notre Dame-Clemson, loser-leave-town match, here are the Hokies, right, trying to validate an incredible regular season as the one seed. Dangerous Florida State is a three. The defending ACC champs, Duke, is a two. I mean, this tournament beginning Wednesday is no joke. This is going to be some kind of tournament. Yep. It's going to be great. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think it's uh, going to be incredibly entertaining to see kind of how it emerges, and I'll point back to Duke last year, what, beating Clemson and then beating Florida State on the way to the championship, right? I mean, that was the kind of thing that the, the storybook with uh, with the Blue Devils a year ago. So, We'll see how it plays out. Virginia Tech is certainly a factor in this. We've talked to Coach Pete DeMore a lot uh, about Keely Rochard and Emma Lemley involved in terms of pitching. Uh, Lonnie's got great pitching. You know, Duke's got pitching. Uh, all of that stuff kind of thrown together. And, and here's the thing. I can't help but fast forward a little bit to the week after when the NCAA brackets are announced either. See, because then you start to see how is this recognized nationally by the committee. I think that will be a – sidebar to this week and the competition we're going to get to see, but it is an impending factor on the national tournament as well the following week. And I think, I think that's, that, that shows you where the competition may fall. Remember what Virginia Tech did last year, the Supers in California. Florida State made it to Oklahoma City. Um, you know, how does somebody like Duke handle that? How does somebody like, uh, you know, how does Virginia Tech handle going back into that environment again? I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, let's go to uh, Brittany McKinney, kind enough to join us this morning. Brittany, good morning. Welcome. And uh, this is kind of what we settled in for. I mean, we've talked all season about how great the regular season's been. What changes do you think 
once they start uh, slinging it for real in the circle in Pittsburgh this week? You know, it's it's winter go home now, right? <laughs> uh, you, you go and play these three-game series in the ACC, and it's it's all about attrition and your depth when you're trying to get that series win. Now it's you throw your ace out there every day. You play seven innings a day, and it kind of changes the game. It's a whole new season. Records don't matter. So I, I think just going with your ace and not having to worry about playing the next same team the next day and prepping that way makes a big difference going into the tournament. Um, but, you know, it's always a good time. We're in postseason. I can't believe it. Brittany, I just mentioned to Wes uh, that unlike a year ago where it was a Clemson-Florida State thing and then Duke grabbed the title, right? This year, mm-hmm. the depth is much better, right? I mean, when Clemson and Notre Dame is a 4-5 mm-hmm. matchup and the fact that Florida State's <laughs> a three-seed in your own conference <laughs> Seems like the quality and the depth of the league is so much better than it was even a year ago. And last year, it was a great deal of fun. But here's the other thing. Those five teams that are ranked in the top 25, all of them are coming in on hot winning streaks, which just, I think, adds to a kind of an all-in in Pittsburgh of a loser-leave town for whoever walks away with this thing is going to really have to earn it. It's going to be a great tournament. Uh, no doubt. I mean, I think this is the best I've ever seen the ACC. I, they're number two overall in RPI in the entire country. Uh, they've built the resume to be one of the top conferences this year. And I think this ACC tournament is going to be a battle for everybody. Like you said, Florida State coming in as the three seed, who would have thought? And it, it mentioned that but Clemson Notre Dame game. I mean, there's no easy game. You look at the second, first round, second round. There's no easy side of the bracket. You know, nobody's like, oh, good, I'm on the Florida State side. Oh, good, I'm the on the Virginia Tech side. There's no, there's no easy cakewalk into the semis or the championship. And I, that's just a testament, like you said, to how great and deep this conference is. All right, Brittany. Uh, second run with us. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Um, you caught. You were really good at it. You've been a part of successful teams. You just said this is one of those events where you put your ace in the circle every game. So if I got to get you to pick the pitcher that can become the dom- the most dominant to win a championship here, who are you going to take? That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I think it's, <laughs> it's a coin toss between Catherine Sandercock from Florida State and Keely Richard for Virginia Tech. But I'm going to have to go with Rochard. And the reason being is Florida State has a staff. Coach Lonnie Alameda can pick out of three, even four arms she can throw in the circle, and they've been able to compete and win games mm-hmm. without Catherine Sandercock in the circle. Virginia Tech, it's Keely Rochard. Yeah, Emma Lindley's there, but she's a freshman. But Keely Rochard has just been so dominant the past few years, and even more so this year with some offensive help and able to get some rest. She's coming into the postseason a little bit more in the tank, healthy, ready to go. So not by a lot, but I'm, I'm going to go with Keely Rochard. But, you know, Brendan, a team like Notre Dame has multiple arms too, where, hey, it's cool to have mm-hmm. the one ace. Again, if you're Virginia Tech, you got a one and a one A, and there's, an alt- no, no, there's other teams like it. But in terms of multiple pitchers that you could put in the circle, especially over a period of time, you know, that's why I think Notre Dame could be dangerous as a force. And granted, they, they got clumps in the first game. It could be one and done and sitting on the couch, you know, eating popcorn. But that's what makes the intrigue of this tournament. 
Everybody's got weapons, and those top five teams in this league are all so good and so talented. You're exactly right, and I, I'm really excited for that Notre Dame-Clemson series, by the way. That's probably my my big game in the first two rounds is that matchup. But th- they do have depth in the circle, and they when they played Clemson, they were walked off on twice, but in the middle game, Hollowell, Holloway came in and threw a new no-hitter you would expect her to start on Sunday. They had Peyton Tid in the circle. So that just goes to show you mm. they can no-hit Clemson and then start somebody else the very next day, which I was shocked to see that. But that just shows the trust they have in, the, in their pitchers in the circle, and, and that's going to be a fun matchup. Brittany, Clemson was the darling program for those first two years. Obviously, the first year they got shut down to the pandemic, and then last year – you know, won the regular season. Valerie Cagle became the shooting star, if you will, in, in the ACC in terms of softball. And I don't mean to say that a five seed is a disappointment, but it feels like Clemson was capable of more. It just didn't happen during the course of ACC play. Are they a dangerous team this week because of that? Yeah, I, I think they have the talent to be dangerous. Uh, there's no doubt. They're, they're a great team. They have Valerie Cagle. They've got the big bats. But I think the, you said the you know the shooting star. I think the spotlight may have may have gotten a little bright for them. You know, they're still a very young program, and they got mm-hmm. so good so fast that we, I think we forget about that. You know, they've only been around for a couple of years, and, and as a young player at a new program, you don't have the veterans to rely on and. Someone like Valerie Cagle, she's got that spotlight on her. And, you know, that can be a little hard to, you know, if you have an off day and, you know, you're used to all the success, that gets tough for a young player, I think. And I think that's the only thing that may have been holding them back. But there's no doubt they have the talent to be dangerous. All right, here's a totally offbeat question. We just watched the Kentucky Derby <laughs> Saturday where a horse just got in at the last second, was 80-1 to one long shot and wins the race. We're sitting here talking about all these teams in the top five, right? Virginia Tech, Duke, Florida State, Notre Dame, Clemson. How about teams seated six through ten, Brittany? Is there an opportunity for one of them to just, I'm not necessarily (laughs) going to say win the tournament, but cause disruption, six through ten? Or is it, hey, there's a top five and then there's a total six through ten? You tell me. Well, it's a postseason, right? (laughs) Anything can happen. And we talk about the depth of the ACC, but my dark horse is going to be Georgia mm. Tech. I've really mm. enjoyed watching. I go back to the first week of the season. They had something about them like, hey, I can keep my eye on this team, but they're competitive. They're gritty. They're scrappy. They find ways to win. They're well coached. I think they lack the depth to take three-game series. Now just one game a day, I, I think – Georgia Tech can make some noise and make some people very uncomfortable this week. All right. All right. Now here's the bigger picture. And I just kind of went over this before you joined us with Mark. It feels like this is the the initial layer to the big tournament next week. Okay. The ACC, it's important. How many teams do you think today are in the event, regardless of what happens in Pittsburgh, and who's bubblicious at this point? I think the ACC can get seven teams into the NCAA tournament, which is the most since 2015, which was the most they've ever had. So I think we can tie Mm. that record again. But the Georgia Tech and the Louisville, they have great RPIs, top 30 RPI. But those are my bubble teams. I think 
you know, you see like the conference, the SEC conference, they get every single team in past couple of years. The ACC doesn't have that reputation quite yet that the SEC does. So I think mm. that's the only reason they're on the bubble. But I think the ACC deserves to have seven teams in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we just had right. uh, we just had Notre Dame and Duke and men's lacrosse and play a game Saturday that felt like loser leave town. Winner's going to make the tournament. Loser's going to sit at mm-hmm. home. Do you get the same sense with that on Wednesday, with that kind of game? That, hey, that's kind of an elimination game? Yeah. You know, you, softball has just risen to a whole another level. The parity across the country is so good. So any, any kind of slack you can give the – or reason to give the selection committee not to put you in, they're going to take it and run with it because there's so many other good teams. So – yeah, I think you have that sense, and I think there's an extra pressure on those teams on Wednesday to come out and compete and get that win to make it to the tournament. That is awesome stuff. Hey, Brittany, great. Always uh, appreciate your time. Wait, We're going to enjoy whoa, this whoa, this whoa, week. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, I'm wait. sorry. I'm not letting Brittany get off that easy. Hold on a second. <laughs> All right, Brittany, I'm going to allow you to change your mind by Wednesday. But on Monday morning, oh, no. the team you oh, think is no. going to win the tournament is whom? <laughs> Florida State. Florida State. All right. You have wow. to Wednesday. There you, it have, is. you have 48 hours to change your mind. But you're on record with the All right. All right. <laughs> but, that's my gut. You can't change your gut feeling, right? No, 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 you got to stick with it. I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I'm giving you an out. I'm giving All you right. a 48-hour rule, something could crazy, and you go, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. But you like the Knowles okay. on a Monday morning. Like the Knowles. On Monday morning. Yes. All that's right. it. We'll see how it plays out. See, Brittany, I <laughs> I knew he was going to try and corner you on this. That's why I was trying to get out of here before you got cornered. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not cornering anybody. I gave Brittany a 48-hour rule to change her mind. There's no That's the easiest way out. If I said, listen, I hear you. this is your decision. You can't change. That would be cornering somebody. I'm just You're the expert. That would be. Just that's curious. it. Because it's going to be a great turn. There we go. It oh, is. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, all right, Brittany, take care. Thank you as always. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, guys. All right, sit tight. When we come back, uh, kind of a sneak peek of what we expect maybe the next three days from Amelia Island at the ACC spring meetings and uh, a showdown of sorts. But a quick reminder to you, our coverage of the ACC Softball Championship presented by Auto Owners Insurance Pack. I like it. Begins on Wednesday at 1 o'clock from Pittsburgh. They'll be right there on the campus in the Oakland section of the Steel City for our wall-to-wall coverage of the Atlantic Coast Conference Softball Championship. When we come back, the basketball coaches, men's and women's, the football coaches, the FARs, the SWAs, the ADs, and distinguished guests all huddle at Amelia Island starting today. We give you a preview of that and maybe something else you need to know about that event next on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Hey, Pack, look here. We're live from the ACC Spring Meetings Tuesday through Thursday, 7 to 10 a.m. Live Packer in Durham right here on the Atlantic Coast Conference television network and streaming live on the ESPN app. So all the news and knowledge you need from the uh, First Coast coming your way this week, starting tomorrow morning. 
Ain't there got, you go. Ain't got no time for golf or tennis. Only thing I got time for is a little pink Himalayan sea salt and some breaking news. That's what we got for three days coming up tomorrow. Uh, coming up at 1 o'clock today on Twitter Spaces, David Hale and Andrew Adelson are going to talk to Boston College football coach Jeff Halfley. If you want to do that live, you certainly can participate on Twitter Spaces. It's always available on their handle as well after it's over. But sure to come up the Zay Flowers topic and more, plus his thoughts on NIL uh, with the BC head coach, who's been front and center, obviously, with Flowers' situation, uh, as well as one of the bright stars of coaching. I mean, let's be honest, in college football is Jeff Halfley, right? No doubt about that. Big fan, and uh, yep. I look forward to seeing Coach and all the coaches and ADs and all that stuff. It's always yep. a uh, it's it's a social event, but don't make a mistake that there is some serious business to attend to this week yeah. in Amelia Island. Now, Packer said we're going to be uh, doing three hours of television each day, plus other content, hopefully, that will be repurposed and shown to you at a later date here on ACC Network, and there will be an all-ACC tomorrow night with Dallin and Jordan and Kelsey and guests there, I'm sure. But yesterday it came to my attention that there will be a very important competition staged during the ACC spring meetings, and it comes courtesy of E.J. Manuel, who apparently has issued the challenge to Jordan Cornette and Dallin Cuff to bring your singles tomorrow, which would be today, Eric McLean and I are ready to collect. So we will have full updates apparently on this showdown at some point tomorrow that is taking place, I guess, today, it sounds like. Pac? I guess. I guess they're playing golf all day. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> I mean, that's what it sounds so, like. I mean, Stay I, tuned. I, I, listen, the only agenda that I've got is my own, and, and that is that I know we're working Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday a bunch, and we're thankful for it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, yeah. like I said, this is not a, a pleasure trip for us. This is a business trip. The league has got a lot of topics that need to be yep. addressed, and uh, that will happen with the movers and shakers of our league this week. It's an important week in Amelia Island. So we will uh, we will find out uh, we'll find out who won the who won the challenge and so forth uh, when we when we come to you over the next three days. Uh, some of those guys will join us as well on set. I'm sure uh, each of the next three mornings well, I, as well. I, I, I hope Packing. they can I hope they can find time from their busy schedules to join us. <laughs> um, let me ask you about uh, divisions. That is going to be something that was discussed. A couple months ago, I think it's gotten lost in the NIL and portal traffic for good reason. But there is some anticipation that in football, a decision of some sort is going to be made about divisions uh, for the future of ACC football. Is that still one of the things you're looking forward to? It's one of a lot. Uh, I, I do think that the transfer portal, name, image, likeness, that kind of stuff, you know, is going to be discussed amongst uh the real movers and shakers. But, yeah, divisions, you know, where's the conference office moving to? Is it staying in Greensboro? Is it coming here in my backyard? Is it going down to Andrew Adelson's neighborhood? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, again, that's why we're going, just to see what where all this stuff is going to happen. But if it turns out that the ACC eliminates divisions, I think it's going to be a trend mm. you're going to see from a lot of Power 5 schools moving forward. 
Uh, I know the Big Ten's kicked that around as well, and uh, it would not surprise me eventually that's what we have down the road. If that's where we go, that's where we go. But that will not surprise me if that's decided this week. Yeah. Um, A side note today. uh, Today is the start of the last ACC outing in the mountains of North Carolina, PAC. Um, as you well know, Hugh Morton started the ACC outing for football and basketball coaches and athletic directors better than, what, 50 years ago, right, at Grandfather Mountain. And that area of western North Carolina embraced the springtime when football and basketball coaches and athletic directors used to come to the mountains to basically relax <laughs> because the season and the academic year was over. And as the, uh, as the years have gone on, that has changed. And Harris Prevo has become the steward of that event. And last night, he opened the final ACC outing at Grandfather Mountain in Western North Carolina. Our gracious thanks as, uh, as longtime standards of this league to Hugh Morton and to Harris Prevo for their, uh, for their great hospitality that's been extended to the media and coaches for years in Western North Carolina. And we wish everybody a great time at the final ACC outing today in Western North Carolina. Concludes, by the way, tomorrow. There's lots of golf and fellowship and things like that along the way as well. But for years, people have been attending that. And we thank Harris. And Mr. Morton obviously left a great legacy at Grandfather Mountain. So best to those folks. Beautiful place. And speaking of golf, the NCAA Women's Regionals get underway today. A ton Mm. of ACC teams. So there's a lot of business to attend to this week. Thanks to uh, Chrissy Velez for directing, Casey O'Brien producing. We'll see you in the morning from Amelia Island, Florida at the ACC meeting. Tune in to Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371 and streaming on the ESPN app.